Welcome to the Steroids Podcast with your host, Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. The Steroids Podcast is brought to you by Ultimate Guide to Roids, 109-page ebook by Dan the Bodybuilder from Thailand. Now, for the first time in bodybuilding history, you have someone with no corporate interests and no obligation to please anyone, not walking on eggshells to not offend. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the information, the whole information, the whole truth, not a full truth and a half truth. Full truth. Ultimate Guide to Roids gives you the keys to the Lamborghini, gives you the information, and lets you decide what to do with it. It's a crime this information has been suppressed this long. Now let's get on with the podcast. First question for today is from Vintage Black, and he asks, Can you use HCG as a base instead of testosterone? And yeah, you could use HCG as a base uh, instead of testosterone. But the thing is, is that your testosterone is going to be at really high normal levels, something around a thousand nanograms per deciliter. Uh, if you're on HCG, that's like an average. And when you do that, you're not going to have that much of a boost over natural from it. One of the reasons why you inject testosterone is because injecting a lot of testosterone uh 500 milligrams 750 milligrams 1000 milligrams is really potent and it has a really strong synergy having a lot of testosterone it has a really strong synergy with the other steroids so when you combine um high dosages of testosterone with other steroids it makes the other steroids work a lot better so the things that you want to get out of those other steroids their effects that they're known for and famous for um, they will express those effects uh, much more potently as you increase the dosage of testosterone that you use with them. So if you're using HCG as a base instead of testosterone, well, you're not going to be getting the advantage of having those really high testosterone levels from injecting, you know, a few cc's a week. Uh, so it, the other steroids that you use aren't going to be as strong because they're not going to have a high dosage of testosterone like a blasting dosage of testosterone 250 milligrams of testosterone per week really isn't very strong like you can make a bit better gains than natural but it's not something that's going to blow you away like at all so it really i mean testosterone really comes to life around three cc's per week so around 700 milligrams per week that's when the character of testosterone, the uh, full effects of the drug, uh, really are noticed. You get effects from lower doses, absolutely. But once you hit that 700 milligrams per week mark, that's where the um, full life or character of testosterone comes out. And once that comes out, then it allows those other steroids that you're using to express themselves fully too. It's sort of a hard thing to say, but... Uh, the guys who have been there and done that will be nodding their heads right now when they're hearing this because they know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, but for the guys that are new to this, it's kind of a difficult thing to talk about um, and explain to you. But the thing, the things that those uh, steroids are known for, you know, each steroid is known for something and has its characteristics, its characteristic uh, qualities that it brings to the table. And when you get up um, to a 700 milligram uh, plus dosage of testosterone, uh, the testosterone, for one, is able to ex express its full character, its whole uh, uh, plate of effects or uh, spectrum of effects, and then having that high testosterone in there makes the uh, other steroids, like the anabolics, such as like Winstraw, Anivar, Trembolone, um, Primobolin, um, uh, Superdraw, Anadrol, Turinabol, etc. Uh, it makes having those high testosterone dosages makes those other steroids be able to work better and really express their effects the way that you want them to. Because if you don't take any testosterone, those other steroids, they won't really even like be able to express their character. You know, if you say Winnie Winstrol is a hardener, right? 
Well, now if you take Winstrol with no testosterone uh, and your natural testosterone after a couple of weeks goes away, you'll start looking kind of like flat. And because you're looking like flat and not having like a three popping full fed looking muscle, uh, you won't look as muscular. You won't, you won't look, uh, you just won't have that, that big popping look with the muscle uh, bulging against the skin. So, uh, having that testosterone in there, it makes a huge difference in the ability of these other steroids to be able to work their magic. So that's why there's so much importance on getting the testosterone. You know, if you have no way of getting testosterone, uh, yeah, you could use HCG as a base, and that's what I would do if I had no way of getting testosterone. I couldn't get testosterone, then yeah, I'd use HCG as a base, and uh, that seems like a reasonable thing to do. And I'd use it with other shit if I couldn't get uh, steroids like oral steroids, like Anadrol and shit to use with it. Then I would use SARMs with it. So that's like the spectrum, you know. I'd prefer to have testosterone, but yeah, absolutely, I could just go with. HCG if there was no freaking possible way I could get testosterone then I could just go with HCG and like oral steroids or other steroids and That's definitely better than not using HCG. It's way better than not using HCG because you'll actually have a freaking functioning testicles and like functioning endocrine system and uh, a functioning sex drive Next question is answering a competitor from Switzerland who says, Greetings to you, sir. Reviewing my future cycle, 1,200 milligrams deca per week is not too much, is it? Don't want to lose detail. We'll stack with an oral, summer cycle, Winstrol, winter, Turinabol, spring, Anavar. Yeah, that sounds great. This guy, he's, uh, he's a competitor, and he's holding... A good amount of size and a good amount of definition so some guys may say wow 1200 milligrams of deca that's a lot okay well this is one of the men who has experimented and found that he likes deca cycles only so there is a group of users who find testosterone use to be um, to be undesirable um, some people this is this is uncommon guys most people who use testosterone like it, but there are some guys who just have a hard time with it, and they're the minority. And so this is one of those guys. And um, when, the, uh, when you can't handle the testosterone, a lot of times these side effects are things like uh, you have a girlfriend, and for some reason it makes them like feel like lusting after like every woman they see all day and they don't want to do it but it's just like an instinct so some guys get this like more than others and um some some guys also it really stimulates them a lot and just makes them a little bit too out of control so th these are some of the reasons it's usually mental side effects but then again some guys do it they don't use like to use testosterone because uh, it gives them like severe acne or something like that uh, so there are several different reasons why guys decide I don't want to use testosterone and uh, But it, it's unusual most people like testosterone and should use testosterone But here we've got a guy this competitor from Switzerland who is he's a DECA only guy and You know what DECA has been studied and used in hormone replacement therapy um, and it does seem to give these guys that use the DECA only, but they don't use the DECA with testosterone, it does seem to uh, give these guys proper hormonal functioning, the DECA. So this is an option. If you, for some reason, really do not like testosterone, I'm just talking to the general public, not to this guy, I'm not giving him advice, he already knows what he's doing, but to the general public, yeah. Uh, it, if you can't handle testosterone for some reason, which would be odd, but if you can't, then doing DECA without testosterone can be an option for you. 
Uh, some guys that are worried about hair loss too. This can be an option for them because if you are taking DECA only, then you're not producing any dihydrotestosterone because you have no testosterone in your blood in order to be converted into dihydrotestosterone. And dihydrotestosterone is what makes your hair fall out if you're susceptible to that. So if you take DECA only, you're not going to speed up your hair loss if uh, hair loss is in your genes. Okay. So this guy says 1,200 milligrams of DECA per week. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a pretty good dosage because most guys who are big at the gym, most big guys, most guys that you say, whoa, that looks like he's like, he's definitely like juicing. He's definitely like on gear <laughs> and like, that's a big, strong, big, strong dude. You know, a thousand milligrams per week of steroids is like a good starting dosage for, um, guesstimating you know like about what guys like that, that look like that take um when you see that look in the gym of this guy's really developed he's really muscular um and and these kind of like bigger guys in the gym who you know they look like bodybuilders um a dosage of somewhere between 1000 to 2000 milligrams of total steroids per week is a good dosage to produce that kind of body and uh, it would be definitely the the majority of guys uh, who are pretty big like pretty pretty big you know and pretty muscular at your gym are using somewhere between a thousand to two thousand milligrams of steroids per week so the 1200 milligrams deca may sound high but um in actuality, it is the perfect dosage. Okay, the next question is from Evan. And Evan asks about dihydroboldenone, which is an injectable steroid also known as 1-testosterone. So 1-testosterone, or dihydroboldenone, is a steroid that is not traditionally used but that was used in the pro-hormone, uh, one andro, which is the supplement that Mark McGuire took during the 90s, and it was found in his locker, uh, and then they started talking about steroids in baseball because of that, and um, it's something that definitely works to build muscle. So there's an injectable form of the active steroid that, that uh, hormone that Mark McGuire was using um, that is available uh, as an injectable product and it's on the market so this stuff works it doesn't turn into estrogen and it builds muscle uh, it definitely works but it's pretty it's considered pretty exotic and it's hard to source so Whenever you have stuff that is exotic and hard to source, the number one question that you got to be asking yourself is, do I trust that this stuff is legit? Okay? Because there's no pharmaceutical grade stuff, you know, there's no pharmaceutical grade one testosterone being sold. So that automatically means that you've got some drug dealers manufacturing the stuff that you are going to inject into yourself so it's always better to find a pharmaceutical grade source made by a licensed pharmaceutical grade company by a government so you know that what you're buying is inspected by the government and meant to be injected into humans not made in a bathtub by some drug dealer who doesn't give a shit about you um, so that's the first thing, okay? If you're finding this product, you're taking that risk. Um, but it does work. It does build muscle. It does build strength. It has no estrogenic or progestogenic side effects. Um, it's If you can find it clean and you can find it uh, high quality, yeah, absolutely. It'll work in a similar way to what... Primable and would 
as far as the results that it will have on your body. And it should be a little bit stronger than Primabolin too. Something around 600 milligrams per week should have quite a nice effect on your physique. And so the next question is from Philip, and he asks, is the one andro pro hormone liver toxic? Okay, so the difference between the one andro pro hormones now and the one andro pro hormones when Mark McGuire uh, was taking them is that if you remember, the one that Mark McGuire was taking was called one AD. So it was a one step conversion to this uh, to this one testosterone dihydroboldenone stuff. And so the one that that one's now illegal, the one step conversion. And so now the pro hormone that you can buy um, just, you know, at the supplement shop or whatever, that is called one andro. It's a two step conversion it has to do two conversions inside of your body in order to turn into one testosterone or dihydroboldenone. So because of that, it's not as powerful. It's not as potent, but it does still work and it is fairly effective as far as supplements that you can buy uh it's got to be the most sup effective supplement and it turns into that powerful steroid one testosterone once it's in your body um SARMs are more powerful than this stuff but this is be a close second of things that you can buy legally and uh get anabolic effects from uh and the thing with the one andro pro hormone is that it is not liver toxic, okay? It doesn't have a 17 alpha alkylation uh, modification made to the steroids carbon chain. And that's what makes oral steroids be able to survive the liver and makes them liver toxic. It stresses the liver to have that modification to the steroid molecule but these uh these andro pro hormones don't contain that modification so philip um if you're worried about the one andro being a liver toxic steroid or pro hormone it isn't so you can feel better about that it's able to survive um, digestion and metabolism by the liver without having that liver toxic component to it Next question, Dad Rod asks, how to use Clomid for PCT? Okay, so with Clomid, it's a really good PCT drug because of how it works. Clomid works on your brain, it works on your hypothalamus, and it causes your hypothalamus to act as if there was no hormones in your blood. It stimulates the uh, feedback loop that is the hypothalamic pituitary testicular axis. So it does it right from the first chain in the loop, the hypothalamus. That's where Clomid is working on. And so it causes your hypothalamus to release gonadotropin releasing hormone, which then goes down to your pituitary gland and causes your pituitary gland to release luteinizing hormone and follicle stimulating hormone. And then those two chemicals go down to your testicles and causes them to function. So that's how Clomid works. And the way to use it for PCT is Clomid's kind of uncomfortable to take, okay? Because for the first matter is that when you take Clomid, it's a bit estrogenic. So it's part estrogen blocker and it's part estrogen stimulator. So just taking the Clomid may itself make you actually have some sensitivity in your nipples. And that's one of the things that is uncomfortable about taking it, having some swelling or sensitivity in your nipples. Uh, some people get that, some people don't. Um, but it can also make you a bit emotional too. So it's generally uncomfortable to take Clomid. Generally for PCT, the way to take it would be two to four weeks at 50 milligrams per day, followed by two to four weeks of half that dosage, 25 milligrams per day. So it just depends on how, when you feel like your testosterone levels are restored. You could take the 50 milligrams for two weeks, 
50 milligrams of Clomid per day for two weeks and then, you know, do two more weeks at 25 milligrams per day and call it a day. Or if you felt like you weren't recovered, you could do it for longer. So, you know, four weeks at 50 milligrams per day. It doesn't really matter. What PCT is all about is it's about getting your natural uh, fertility and testosterone levels recovered. So you need to take the Clomid until those levels are recovered. And other than HCG, HCG injections are going to be the best PCT because it acts directly on your testicles. But after HCG, uh, Clomid would be the best PCT chemical. And actually, if you wanted to have my opinion on what the very best uh, way to do PCT would be, it would be the uh, combination of Clomid and HCG together. Just for your guys' information is that most doctors, if you go to a doctor and you have hypogonadism, okay, which means your testicles aren't working, they're not producing sperm and they're not producing testosterone, generally what they will do to correct that is either put you on HCG, human chorionic gonadotrophin, or they will put you on testosterone replacement therapy. That's generally how doctors treat hypogonadism. So guys who have uh, hypogonadism, they a lot of times they will get prescribed a few thousand IUs of HCG per week, and they'll do that on the doctor's orders for somewhere between two to three months of doing that. And then that will restore their fertility and they'll stop taking the HCG and have normal fertility after that. So that is a kind of PCT or post-cycle therapy that is studied and used by doctors in medicine. Okay, next question is from Jordan. says, I'm on 600 test enanthate, 600 master on enanthate, and 50 milligrams Winstrol per day. The uh, the amounts of testosterone and mastron were per week. If I reduce testosterone to 125 milligrams per week, what would happen to my physique? Would I get harder? Mm, you would look more athletic. You would get slimmer, less 3D, less bulging, muscles less bulging, but you would reduce some water retention and uh, you would reduce some of that thickness of your skin that the testosterone was producing. So the way that I would describe what would happen to you if you reduced your testosterone from 600 milligrams per week to 125 milligrams per week and we're still on 600 Masteron and 50 milligrams of Winstrol um, is you would get more of an athletic look. You'd look more like a sleeker, slimmer, athlete version of yourself and less as a pumped up 3d bulging bodybuilder version of yourself okay because without that high testosterone dosage you get a lot less of the intramuscular fuel storage that goes on that produces that look where the muscle is swelling from the inside out and pushing up against the skin really round really full really pumped up and then with the cosmetic effects of the other steroids that are making um, you have that nice uh, defined shape so it can actually make it would it would make you smaller it would make you noticeably smaller to reduce your your testosterone from 600 milligrams to 125 milligrams per week and because it would make you smaller and your muscles wouldn't be uh, bulging up against the skin quite as much um, it may it may actually look make you look just uh like a slim down version of yourself with a little more definition you'll probably enjoy the way you look best on your current cycle 600 test 600 master on per week and then 50 milligrams of winstrol per day okay next question is from naji hi what ester of testosterone for TRT and what is the recommended dosage for any of them thanks okay so TRT can be done with any ester of testosterone 
Um, but there are some esters that work better than others. Usually guys that are on TRT don't want to be doing a lot of injections. So one of the things that seems to be important is taking something, taking an ester of testosterone where you don't have to do frequent injections. Personally, I like testosterone undecanoate for T TRT. So there's a testosterone product made by Bayer Pharmaceuticals called Nibido. And I really like that stuff for TRT. It's meant to be taken, it comes in a four milliliter vial of a thousand milligrams, 250 milligrams per milliliter. And what they do in, what doctors do with this stuff is they'll either give guys a four cc shot for, and then have that last them for one month, or they'll give them a four cc shot and have that last them for two months. Generally, that's not going to be cool when it's two months like that. That's not an ideal situation, but one month is good. So it actually can stick around in your bloodstream and produce TRT level, stable testosterone levels for a month after taking a 4cc in injection of Nibido brand testosterone undecanoate. So I feel good on that stuff because the label or the levels, the testosterone levels on that stuff are really stable so I don't have uh, levels spiking up and down frequently there's no there's no crashing levels and there's no spiking levels when I take that stuff so it's easy to control the estrogen it's not a hassle and it feels like very natural out of all of the testosterone that I've used the testosterone undecanoate has felt the most like natural testosterone to me it you, do, you barely notice that you're on it, but you definitely do notice the effects of having good testosterone levels. So that's testosterone and decanoate. Uh, a lot of times for TRT, they use, in, in America especially, they use testosterone cypionate, which is the same as testosterone and anthate. Um, when you put it in your body, it peaks 24 hours after taking the injection. You have the top levels from that injection that you'll have. And then it stays elevated pretty high like that for about three or four days. And then between like four days to 10 days, it drops off pretty sharply. So that's how the levels of uh, testosterone last in your typical enanthate or cypionate user after injection. Basically, you want to to have ideally smooth testosterone levels that don't have peaks and valleys. You want to be using um, testosterone enanthate or testosterone cypionate twice per week or at a bare minimum once per week. And then if you use testosterone undecanoate like Nibido, you could go up to one month between injections. If you take a 4cc injection of Nibido uh, once per month, that would give you stable levels that were similar to the levels produced by taking testosterone enanthate or cypionate um, at two injections per week, the stability of the testosterone levels. Okay, next question is from Sam. Hi, I have used testcypionate, and besides some water retention, I felt great. I stopped for a few months and decided to try testpropionate, and the injection site is very painful and left welts for over five days, not to mention flu-like symptoms. Is it normal for one type of test to have such a different side effect? Uh, so Sam, almost assuredly, when you switch to the testosterone propionate, uh, you were using an underground lab. So this would be steroids produced by drug dealers, not pharmaceutical companies. Um, so the reason why testosterone propionate gives flu-like symptoms is because of impurities in the manufacturing process. Um, this, this is known to happen with testosterone propionate. It's a more difficult steroid to, uh, make properly. And a lot of times there's impurities in it. So in the past, when, uh, I have used UGL propionate, I had similar problems to you swelling and redness at the injection site for a few days after using, 
But when I used pharmaceutical grade um, testosterone propionate, like in Thailand, they have a kind of testosterone called testolic that worked really well for me. And uh, I actually didn't get any uh, welts or any swelling or redness like that. It was just the same as using the enanthate or cypionate. But it's hard to find uh, pharmaceutical grade testosterone propionate. So I'm assuming that you probably went from a high quality product that you were using like the enanthate or cypionate and then went over to the propionate uh, ester of testosterone and were using a product with impurities and inferior ingredients. And that's why you got the, uh, that's why you got the flu-like symptoms and the pain at the injection site. So I would always recommend to go with whatever felt healthiest, uh, go with that and uh, reject any products that are making you have a bunch of swelling and flu-like symptoms uh, and pain at the injection site. That's bad and it's asking for trouble. Next question is from Richard. He says, I'm running a blend of Test E, Trend E, and Mastron E, 100 milligrams per milliliter, and doing two milliliters a week. So 200 milligrams of all three substances. Do you recommend cabergolin at this low dosage of Trenbolone? Also, will Nova, Dex, and Clomid be okay for PCT? Okay, so... He's using 200 milligrams of Trenbolone per week. Um, and he's using that with Masteron and Testosterone. And he's also running each of those hormones at 200 milligrams per week. So a total of 600 milligrams of steroids per week. But the main question that he has is, does he need Cabergolin at 200 milligrams of Trenbolone per week? So Cabergolin is not a safe drug to be using. It destroys prolactin effects and prolactin-induced sexual dysfunction and mental dysfunction when you're using Trenbolone or DECA on a steroid cycle. Um, but cabergolin used for extended durations of time or at dosages that are high um, is not safe and can cause changes in your heart valves. So it's just generally something that you only want to use if you absolutely have to use it, you know? So a lot of times when you use any Trenbolone and you don't use Cabergolin at the same time, you'll have um, complete chemical castration and a complete uh, inability to function sexually, meaning that you can't climax, like it's impossible, and you can't get an erection, okay? So then guys will use Cabergolin so that they can still have sexual function while they use Trenbolone. So he's asking, does he need to use it with only 200 milligrams Trenbolone per week? And the answer to your question is that you should use it if you get symptoms and you should start your cycle with the Cabergolin on hand, okay? Because when you do get symptoms, if you get symptoms, and you probably will get some of those sexual side effects, is that you don't wanna be stuck in a bad place where you are having those side effects and you're running a long ester of Trenbolone like an anthate where it's not going to get out of your bloodstream for weeks and you don't have access, immediate access to the proper chemicals to deal with side effects. Another side effect of prolactin levels that are high is gyno and it's called prolactin gyno. And when you get prolactin gyno, Nolvidex or anti-estrogen tablets like Examestane or Arimidex or Letrozole won't touch it. They won't budge it. They won't do a thing to do to mess with it. Okay, so this is a way that you could potentially get permanent gyno bitch tits is from doing a Trembolone cycle and not having Cabergolin um, on hand before you start. Then noticing, oh my gosh, I'm having pain in my nipples and getting lumps under them. And then saying, okay, I got to get Cowergolin, but, you know, maybe you're not able to get it in your hands for a week. And by that time, those, uh, the painful nipples and the swelling under them has set in permanently, and then you're screwed. So this is the reason why when you're running steroid cycles and when you're running Trenbolone cycles, etc., you need to start out with the um, chemicals on hand that you're going to need to treat potential side effects. And you need to have them before you start so that 
if you do run into side effects, when you do run into side effects, you've already got the stuff that you need in order to nip it in the bud and prevent any kind of long-term uh, problems for yourself. So I think that you probably will need to have some cabergolin. And there's also a lot of bad mental side effects that make you feel really foggy and uncomfortable, annoyed having high prolactin levels. So if you do run into any of the high prolactin symptoms when you're running the 200 milligrams of trembolone per week, what you can do is you can start by taking uh, cabergolin at 0.5 milligrams twice per week. So for example, half a milligram on Monday and half a milligram on Thursday and see how that goes and see if that uh, makes the symptoms go away. And if it doesn't, you could try increasing the dosage by one more half milligram per week. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, half a milligram of cabergolin and see if that fixes the problem. Uh, generally that does. Generally that would fix the problem, those dosages. And uh, I think you could probably stay on the light, on the light side of that. Just taking it twice per week at half a milligram um, in order to avoid those nasty prolactin side effects of using Trenbolone. Okay, next question is from Mark. In regards to testosterone dosage, what if I'm a high responder to testosterone and get up to 6,000 nanograms per deciliter on 500 milligrams per week of test? I also have a low SHBG sex hormone binding globulin. Will that be enough testosterone? Yeah, so this was a really good question by Mark. So the thing that happens with testosterone is that different people metabolize testosterone in their bodies differently. Metabolism is the process of breaking down the hormone and it becoming biologically available in your body for use and then it being excreted from your system. So if two guys take 250 milligrams testosterone injection on the same day, their levels will not be the same the next day, okay? And the reason for this, because you say, what, how is that possible? If they took the same dosage, wouldn't they have the same dosage in their blood? And that's actually not how it works. So depending on your genetic uh, metabolic uh, activities and what enzymes for breaking down chemicals, uh, et cetera, et cetera, that you have in your body, you will have different measurable testosterone levels in your blood compared to another guy from doing the same dosage of testosterone, okay? And this comes down to individual metabolism and breakdown of hormones and your body's capability of this, okay? So nanograms per deciliter is, or NGDL, is how you read testosterone levels in the blood. And so when you have nanograms per deciliter, you're gonna have something like 800 nanograms per deciliter, right? or a thousand nanograms per deciliter. That would be like your testosterone levels. So if one guy injects 250 milligrams of testosterone, there's such a variance in the natural man, uh, in his ability to metabolize testosterone that one guy that injects 250 milligrams of testosterone may have uh, 1500 nanograms per deciliter testosterone levels. And another guy might have 3000, double that. He might have double the amount of testosterone available for use in his blood from that same amount of testosterone, okay? So different people do get different effects from the same amounts of testosterone and steroids. Some people have to use more than others to get the same effects because in order to get the same amount into their blood, they have to use a different dosage. This is an oddity of steroid use. It's one of those things that makes you go, what the hell? And it kind of is confusing, but this is the way it is, and this is confirmed by blood tests. So when you're finding out what dosages work for you, uh, these things are going to matter. They're going to matter, um, and different people are going to have to use slightly different higher or lower steroids than dosages of steroids than other people everyone should be within a certain spectrum but it is possible for one guy to need a 1500 milligrams of testosterone per week to get the same 
um, muscle building and testosterone levels in his blood, muscle building effects and testosterone levels in his blood as another guy that's using a thousand milligrams per week of testosterone. You know, actually the thousand milligram per week of testosterone guy, by the time the testosterone gets into his blood um, and the guy who's taking a thousand five hundred milligrams per week, by the time it gets into his blood, the guys, their blood testosterone levels end up being the same because of individual differences in their genetics. So it's a very peculiar and odd uh, fact about steroid use. Okay, next question is from Vince. How do you properly store HGH, human growth hormone? Okay, one of the most important things about legit human growth hormone is that it must be stored properly. So when it is outside of the refrigerator, uh, it gets destroyed. There are several ways to mitigate this, but in general, you want it to always be in the refrigerator. So if you are having human growth hormone shipped around and it's out of the refrigerator for long periods of time, that can destroy it. Okay, so there's a couple kinds of growth hormone that can actually withstand um, being left out of the refrigerator and not being destroyed because the, the heat destroys the proteins inside. They need to be kept cold in order for the proteins to stay together. And uh, one of one of the uh, ways to get around this is freeze-dried. So a lot of times you'll see this white powder or like puck at the bottom of the growth hormone vial. And that's freeze-dried um, human growth hormone that needs to be reconstituted by mixing it with bacteriostatic water. Um, and so that freeze-dried human growth hormone like that it stays good for about a total of three weeks outside of a refrigerator okay so if it's been shipped from the facility or something and now it's got to you you know it can only be outside the refrigerator for like a maximum total of three weeks 20 days or so before it starts to break down and get destroyed and then um, the other way of preserving the growth hormone is in the pens okay so there if you've seen human growth hormone pens they are pens that have the growth hormone inside pre-mixed in solution uh, ready for injection and so these uh, growth hormone pens have special technology and special preservatives inside of them uh, where they are able to withstand uh, being outside of the refrigerator and they're also vacuum sealed in there so there's nothing getting in there at all zero and a couple of examples of the best uh, pens for human growth hormone injections that have pretty crazy abilities to withstand um, not breaking down when they're kept out of the refrigerator are nortitropin and genotropin uh, they both have technologies that make it and preservatives that make it so that they can withstand up to one month um, sitting at room temperature outside of the refrigerator uh, and still maintain their potency. But in general, with growth hormone, you want to make sure that, that stuff is in the refrigerator, the refrigerator as much as possible. And if you're ever moving it around, you want to put it in a cooler and make sure that you keep it cold all the time. Don't be uh, taking that stuff out and uh, and moving it around when it's not cold. Because if you have, for example, freeze-dried human growth hormone and then you reconstitute it so that it's in liquid now, you know, you turn that, that white puck at the bottom of the growth hormone vial into water and it's ready for injection, you can't leave that outside of the refrigerator for more than 24 hours without it being destroyed, okay? Like, once that, that stuff can be stored in your refrigerator in that state for like up to three weeks and still remain good, but you can't leave it once it's in water like that, you can't take it out of your refrigerator for more than 24 hours or else it will be it will become bunk. It will become totally destroyed. So human growth hormone is very fragile. Next question is from Sebastian. His question and reason he is writing is to find out why people stack Clen and T3 together and what can he expect? Super good fat killer T3 plus super good Clen. 
Why not overkill? Thanks a lot, my friend. Yeah, you'll have really good ex you'll have really good uh, effects for fat burning, Sebastian, on just clenbuterol. So T3 and clenbuterol work synergistically. Um, and the main thing with T3 is that it's kind of a nasty chemical. It's not very good for bodybuilding because it makes you weaker and it's catabolic. It steals away energy from your muscles and it will make it hard to gain any strength in the gym when you're on it, even a small dosage of it. Um, and then it also has some pretty nasty effects like uh, making your heart have palpitations or beat out of rhythm or beat really hard. So clenbuterol also has some effects where it increases the uh, speed and also the intensity or the pounding of your heart. So when you combine that with T3, the combination of T3 and clenbuterol at the same time, it is great for fat burning and it keeps your metabolism running really high. Even if you're dieting, your metabolism is still running super high and super hot, burning a lot of fat, but it can really affect your heart and the way your heart feels. And that is not fun. Okay. So I'm talking about the com like T3 does this and clenbuterol does this. But T3 does it worse, and the combination of T3 with clenbuterol at the same time is like pretty much unbearable because your heart will be jumping around in your chest like crazy. It'll feel like it's jumping all over the place. It'll be beaten out of rhythm. You'll be able to look down at your chest and see your chest, you know, rising and falling like boom, boom, boom with your heartbeat. Bum, 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 stuff like that. And uh, it's very alarming. It causes a lot of anxiety, and it's not fun at all. So, a lot of guys that do use T3, they'll you know they'll say after they try it, like I can't use that stuff, man, because it messes with my heart. And uh, that's exactly the same effects that I get from it. Uh, very catabolic, very uh, muscle burning, um, fat burning too. But you know it really has those hard heart effects on it so that's no fun and i would recommend not using t3 if you want to burn fat it's better to just use clenbuterol because the clenbuterol doesn't produce effects like that nearly as much it can make your heart pound harder so as when it beats it it does make it like contract harder um but generally you won't have rhythm changes and and that's what's kind of scary with the t3 thyroid hormone is having those heart rhythm changes that can be kind of freaky so the clenbuterol by itself is fine alone um, 40 to 80 milligrams per day for two or three weeks you'll definitely be able to burn some fat uh, if you do that and watch your diet you'll be able to burn a nice amount of fat using the clenbuterol i think the t3 is not necessary and uh Generally, I advise against T3 thyroid hormone use. Um, something, a kind of thyroid hormone that is a lot less potent and a lot less likely to cause you problems, though, would be T4 thyroid hormone. So if you take T4 thyroid hormone, um, you t usually take a dosage of around 100 micrograms to 200 micrograms per day. And so T4 thyroid hormone is rate limiting because it's inactive. But you take it and then your body can convert it as a pro-hormone into T3 as it sees fit. So instead of putting something into your body like T3 that immediately changes your metabolism, you put a pro-hormone to T3 like T4 into your body and then your body converts the T4 into T3 as it sees fit and increases your metabolism that way. So if you really felt like you had to use thyroid hormone with your clenbuterol my suggestion would be to use t4 instead of t3 uh, because it's a lot less harsh and a lot less likely to give you uh, those bad uh, uncomfortable heart side effects okay pawan says hi bro what should be the dosing of aromasin and cabergolin for 250 milligrams testosterone and anthe and 500 milligrams decadurablin per week cycle okay so the dosage of ancillary chemicals like anti-estrogens or anti-prolactins is highly dependent on the individual Usually, you always want to be running a minimum effective dosage of cabergolin since it's kind of a dangerous chemical. And so, 
generally 0.25, meaning one quarter of a milligram to half a milligram uh, two times per week will be able to get you to a tolerable level with um, having your prolactin levels and get you feeling okay. But then as far as the anti-estrogen use is it really depends on the individual and how much estrogen he produces from um, testosterone. So you're only running 250 milligrams of testosterone per week. That's a really low dosage. And because of that, you are likely only going to need one or two um, tablets of, ar of aromasin per week. So, I mean, taking a good starting point would be uh, 12.5 milligrams or half tablet of aromasin on uh, Monday and Thursday, something like that. And uh, then seeing how your estrogen symptoms are and then decreasing it or increasing it uh, as you see fit. That's the thing with, uh, with anti-estrogen tablet dosages is you can't just say like, oh, how much anti-estrogen do I need for 1,000 milligrams of testosterone? Or how much anti-estrogen do I need for 500 milligrams of testosterone? Because it's different for each individual person. I've seen people who take 1,000 milligrams of testosterone per week have zero estrogen side effects, okay? Their bodies just do not convert testosterone to estrogen. And so they don't need to take any estrogen, anti-estrogen tablets. But then I've seen other guys who convert uh, testosterone to estrogen like crazy and needing to take you know one tablet every single day on that same dosage so it really completely depends on your own body's chemistry and anybody who says like this is the amount of anti-estrogen tablet that you need on this dosage of testosterone that cannot be said that cannot be said it's incorrect because everybody metabolizes this stuff differently and creates different amounts of estrogen from testosterone. So all you can do is say like, here's a good starting dosage, and then you gotta troubleshoot it. But the good news is that when you get estrogen side effects, you've got about 48 hours after feeling them to react and take anti-estrogen tablets before any more permanent side effects like gyno uh, will set in. If you would like your questions to be answered on the steroids podcast go to steroidspodcast.com and leave a comment with your questions or email or private message steroidspodcast at gmail.com or steroidspodcast on instagram until next time